you to another episode of Mission Matters. My name is Adam Torres, and if you'd like to apply to be a guest in the show, just head on over to missionmatters.com and click on Be Our Guest to Apply. All right, so today is a very special episode. We have Keith Angel on the line, and he is CEO and director over at Pythian. And I'm also proud to announce he is also going to be an author in one of our upcoming business leaders books. First off, just want to say, hey, Keith, welcome to the show and welcome to the community. Thanks, Adam. Really a pleasure for me to be on. I'm a believer in Mission Matters, so I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation with you and your audience. All right, Keith. So let me tell you, I have questions for you. I mean, you've literally scaled multiple businesses into hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm working on scaling mission matters. There's a lot of, a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, executives out there that are, are working on scaling their businesses as well. So we're going to be picking your brain today. But before we get into that, we'll start this episode the way that we start them all with our mission matters minute. So Keith, we at Mission Matters, we amplify stories for entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. That's our mission. Keith, what mission matters to you? You know, I'm a big believer in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think across all the businesses that I've been involved now, almost 30 years, Hmm. I'm a hard driver on treating everybody fairly, building cultures of equity and inclusion with great diversity Even at Pythian today, 40% of our senior leadership team is female. Mm. And frankly, the largest minority we have is white American men. Mm. So we've had great progress there in a global company. And so for me, I think as I I direct and lead companies, DEI is is the most important mission for me. Fantastic. I love bringing mission-based individuals on the line to share, you know, how they do what they do, why they do it, and, you know, what what gets them motivated out of bed to go out there and continue, you know, fighting the fight every day and making a difference. So great having you on. So just to get this kicked off, Keith, I mean, let's go a little bit further back in your career. I mean, you've, you've scaled, I mean, over over 10 businesses, large numbers, Like, but where did all, before we get into all that, like, where did all this begin? Were you always an, an entrepreneur, executive business mindset? Like, where'd that start for you? You know, I've been really lucky in my career, Adam, but it started for me with my parents. Frankly, they had a high focus on education and building of skills, and they were both entrepreneurs. So I saw early on as I was growing up, and my first business actually was in high school. Uh, I started mowing lawns with a close buddy. We were great teammates. And when I went off to college, he actually stayed in that business is a multi-million dollar business today that he still runs from what we started 30, 40 years ago. And I was oh, really yeah. lucky in my, in, my, in my first job out of college to get engaged in the largest, most valuable company in the world, Fortune One, in their management development program. I was fortunate to go through that program and have great mentors learning from experienced managers I trained, I was trained to build winning teams quickly to achieve goals to over the course of a 18 month process, mm-hmm. set a mission, achieve that mission, get promoted ideally and do it again. Mm-hmm. I remember one very early assignment, Adam, I was the youngest of 45 people running a warehouse in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So I was, I literally was the superintendent of this warehouse, 
I had 44 people underneath me. I was the youngest of all 45. And so put into that position early on in my career, I had to learn how to work with others when telling them what to do would never work. So I, I learned to team with senior leaders to craft winning agendas. There was a great lesson in my early 20s on, on getting started in business. And those lessons I've learned from my parents, from that high school business and that management mm. development program I've used throughout my life. Mm. I want to stick just a, just a little, we're going to, we'll speed it up, but I want to, I want to stick on those early days just a little bit longer. Cause I'm always curious when there's a, you know, cause growing up, my, my father was a, a, an entrepreneur. My mother was a social worker. So not, not she, two different routes. But whenever I hear of an entrepreneur that comes on the show that has, you know, both that are entrepreneurs or involved in the family business, like, or family businesses, it always, it always interests me. Like what were holidays like around an entrepreneurial table? Like, were you getting lessons there? Or just, just in general, like what were the holidays like around for, for an entrepreneurial family? Well, interesting. They were in similar businesses. My father actually was a lawyer and he went in through a legal route and started his own firm and had to grow that over time. And my mother was in a legal related business that she started. Uh, and so the the dynamic at the at the dinner t- table with me and my three siblings was certainly there was discussion about what was happening in the universe and global events. But when we talked about business and one would come home happy from the day and one would come home yeah. unhappy. It made for lively discussions. I thought so. Did were there like lessons like being taught there, either directly or or indirectly, just through listening? Like, did you were you were you kind of a sponge at those age at that age, or were you thinking like, oh, we gotta listen to this again? If you remember, I don't know. <laughs> well, my father actually started his his education in engineering, mm. and then moved into law, and I. I followed in the engineering path and stayed in engineering and business mm-hmm. uh, and didn't go into law. But he, as I kind of was more bent towards STEM, you know, science, yeah. technology, engineering, math, you know, he, he had that little bit, but he said I, I, he failed organic chemistry. So he went into <laughs> law instead, yeah. but it was really a lively discussion. My uh, siblings also, one went into social work, but mm-hmm. my siblings also were entrepreneurs and uh, I think that leadership from my parents really took mm. hold. Yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking like when I hear my dad talk about or something, I'd be like, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I don't. I, and I didn't ever want to be. I, I have another thing that I wrote where I always refer to myself as an accidental entrepreneur. I didn't really know that that's what I was uh-huh. doing at the time. But anyway, I, I digress. But I, I had to get the, I had to get those childhood stories because I think that and this is how, in my opinion, it, it kind of relates is then. So if we fast forward a bit, then you get to, you know, Fortune One management training. And now you're you're really in the big leagues. I mean, you're learning from the best of the best in terms of business. And to me, what I see, at least in your path from what I know so far, is that there was certain structures and there was just certain things to where you don't have to have it all figured out. Like, I feel like right now with like the idea of being an apprentice or the idea of like growing your skills over time, like with media and all these other things that are in the news, like you hear about the Facebook or the billionaire this or the person this or the Elon Musk. And I'm and I try to, you know, tell other entrepreneurs that are on the journey, like it's a process, like you're just seeing where they're at at this moment. But there's a whole lot more in terms of backstory. And that's what we try to bring out as well in the show. So people know, hey, if you're going through it, like there's other. Others that are as well. 
it was training that I think really helped me from the start. And when I mentor young people or mentor CEOs today as a board director, Mm -hmm. uh, I go back to those discussions. And I, I remember my father saying, you know, someday you will lead a company or yeah. lead some team to win. And his his preaching really was about we're all the CEOs of our mm-hmm. own destiny, right? Yeah. And and charting that destiny and having a mission, as we know, mission matters, mm-hmm. is really important. And and I I've taken that in terms of building great teams and building great companies throughout my career. So starting with that childhood, you know, mentoring that I got from my parents all the way through the, my initial career training and now at over a dozen firms to, to help them grow and, uh, and achieve yeah. has been, you know, a great career. Yeah. And so kind of taking it, you know, present day, and obviously in my, this happens every generation, every cycle, every college class, like there's always quote unquote turmoil or things happening in the world always. And that that's a given, but let's just speaking present day. And from your vantage point for that, let's just say that next crop of entrepreneurs and executives that are that are coming out into the workforce a lot of a lot of change in the way that work is being done right whether it's remotely whether it's going to the office i mean post pandemic like all these things that are happening you know just a new set of of challenges for people to deal with right like what kind of things are you seeing when it comes to like this concept of building winning teams when it comes to like for this for this next crop of, of entrepreneurs and executives like, what are you noticing from your vantage point? Well, the, the interesting thing is that a lot of the, the principles of building mm. great companies are the same. Yeah. But a number of things have changed. And I think the, the, the leadership principles have evolved. I remember mm. speaking at a, at a conference at Duke University where I, I got my bachelor's degree and they had speakers from every decade going back to the 60s, I want to say, yeah. talking about their careers and how that has evolved. And the gentleman from the 60s had, had worked for one company for 50 years and got wow. his golden, you know, ended up as CEO of Duke Power or something and got his golden watch when he left. The guy in the 70s had worked for two companies I represented the 80s graduate and I had worked for six or eight or 10 by that time. And fast forward to an individual that was getting his master's or PhD mm. at Duke at the time. He had already started three companies. Wow. And so you see this, this natural evolution. And as you if you fast forward to where we are today, I think, you know, the, the principles of you're the you're the CEO of your own destiny still applies. Mm-hmm. But what it takes to win now has evolved. And mm-hmm. so the, the principles of leadership, especially around emotional intelligence, have mm-hmm. changed. It used to be that everyone would go into the office. You had formal training programs. That really doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Given, given the remote work from home elements of today's environment and the social media, you know, coverage that that envelopes our young people building emotional skills and empathy is is perhaps the missing ingredient and so we emphasize that listening collaboration communications empathy 
those are key assets and requirements of leading hmm. that really have been shortchanged over the last five years because of the great resignation and the pandemic and remote work from home and a number of macroeconomic yeah. issues. Yeah. And so one of the things that that you're known for is is scaling quite a few companies. So I believe 12 companies. At at what point did you now I've, I've interviewed just so you, just so you know Keith over 5000 people like a couple thousand CEOs and uh, that's that's a lot of companies. When did do you feel like this is your your gift or when did you know like this was going to be your thing cuz and and I'm saying it's your thing. You you didn't say that. But when did you know this was going to be your thing like scaling well, companies? It it is my thing. I I hmm. think I I was lucky to get a great education, master's in engineering, master's in business, and my undergraduate work. I was able to build up some skills early on in my career through that management development program. Mm. And then my next opportunity really was in consulting. Mm. And I helped grow a company from 30 million to 200 million. And we went public and became mm. quite successful. Ended up getting bought by a Fortune 500 company in the 90s. And from that experience, I saw what worked and the mm. value creation that you can have in that kind of $20 million range to 200 or 50 yeah. to 500. It's a 10x revenue and oftentimes EBITDA, net income and gross margin growth that ought to be a 10x value creation. Mm. And there are, I think, repeatable processes you can put in place to, uh, to make that happen. So having experienced that once, I've been able to repeat it a number of times across a number of you know, high growth technology services and software sectors. Been lucky, I think, overall. But I've learned every time about what works and what doesn't, what challenges you have early on. And then, you know, as you grow from, say, 20 to 200. Yeah. Let, let's go a little bit. I mean, it, it's easy. It, those numbers big, the, they're uh, amazing, but I like to get into some of the challenges part of things. So like, like what you, you've done this, this quite a few times, like what are some of the challenges in taking a business? I don't know, say from 20 million to a hundred million, like what are some of the challenges you, you face along the way? The key, I think principles hmm. are that you have to build a strong foundation for any of these companies. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that's in terms of a culture, that's in terms of a people first approach and a customer first mm -hmm. approach. There's a number of things that you have to build really as a foundation. Yeah. And then on top of that foundation, there are some challenges that change quite a bit as you grow. And there's mm -hmm. some challenges that are the same at any size. Mm -hmm. So my view is that the culture that you build yeah. You continue to stress that throughout the side, no matter what size the company is, the principles, the mission, the vision, the focus on customers, employees, all that stays the same. And I, and I can think back to, to that consulting firm I mentioned, mm -hmm. we are principle, a culture of innovation and customer service and actually regional P&L that was highly motivational to those, those profit and loss leaders mm -hmm. lasted from start to finish of that company. Mm -hmm. There are challenges that change. There's structural challenges, there's processes. The processes you have when you have a team of one or 10 or 100, they have to change. Yeah. And the global footprint that you grow from 20 to 200 million, most of those companies 
you might start with a national focus and then you add a second country, you go international. So you end up with subsidiaries and international growth and vertical industry focus and all those things have to change. But as I look at, you know, the repeatable patterns Mm -hmm. of that growth, there's a number of things that have to stay the same principles, Mm -hmm. mission, vision, culture, and then the kind of the industrialization of the company from 20 to 200 has to occur. And those are in processes and technology and, and those types of things. So building a great foundation and then keeping certain pieces the same and then evolving the others as you grow is a key to success. So one of the things you mentioned as a specific example just now was, you know, the, the regional P&Ls are, are different and how that permeated. Are there any other throughout the organization? Are there any other things that you that just kind of stick out in your memory when it comes to like scaling culture? And if, if you would use the term scaling culture, I don't know if that's the right the right way to position or if the culture just, you know, we would hope ideally it permeates everything that we do in an organization, like in a perfect world. But like anything that you recall or like and just in general or any tips on really how to scale culture? You know, as I mentioned, there's certain things I think that stay the same as you grow a company Mm -hmm. and the focus on taking care of your people, Mm -hmm. on DEI, on the mission of the firm and the vision. Those, those I think stay the same. And so those, those cultural items Mm -hmm. are really important. For example, at Pythian, you know, our vision is to unlock the power of data. We're a yeah. data and analytics firm. And I think that isn't going to change. That's our mm-hmm. DNA. We've been in business for 26 years. That's what we do. Yeah. But we've had to change as we've tripled the size of the company mm-hmm. and grown from you know several hundred people to many hundreds worldwide. And and that the but the culture of collaboration mm-hmm. and communications and accountability and trust and transparency, those have stayed mm-hmm. the same. So there's there's pieces of of culture as you said that that are really critical and and communicating that especially in today's environment where people are are working from home is super mm-hmm. important. As an example, Adam, I do not only do I do monthly all hands across the globe in my companies, but every week I talk one on one with a random set of employees wherever they are in the world, their teammates. Wow to hear from them and touch them and talk to them and get their ideas on how we can be a better company, mm-hmm. uh, let them ask questions of the CEO and just get connected. It's so yeah. important in today's world to, to continue to, to learn from each other and work as teammates to build these winning teams. Yeah. I think that's that's so important. I think that's a great example for other leaders out there. Like, and I and I'll just share a, a quick story. I still remember when I like was a, a young guy just just getting out of college, and I can think of some of the big leaders that I've worked for, had the privilege to work for early on in my career. Who they came and they met, like just like you're just you're, what you're describing right there. One of them would be Dan Gilbert. So that was you know owner of Cleveland Cavs, founder of Quicken Loans or Rocket Mortgage. Now the second one, Charles Schwab. I still remember 
remember meeting with him and, and meeting like in, in, in one of the centers. And I was just like, wow, these guys like don't have to do that. But, you know, all these years later, what we're talking 20 years ago or something like that, I still remember. So for the leaders out there that aren't, you know, that aren't doing that, maybe consider it, like maybe consider like having those type of meetings. And that's just a, a little tip from me because <laughs> it still rem- it still affects me. And I remember it, you know, 20 some years later. So it's really paying it forward too. Agree. So, uh, Keith, I do want to spend a little bit of time here. We're not going to spend too much time on it. We're going to keep it high level, uh, but we we got a book coming out together. And uh, for everybody listening, don't worry. We will be bringing Keith back onto the show, and we'll be doing a second interview when the book is live and out. And you know, we can you can pick up a copy. Hint, hint. But for today, Keith, just to kind of whet the appetite, keeping it high level. Um, what are some of the things that maybe you hope to you, to present in the upcoming book? Well, you know, the as you asked about what challenges stay the same and what challenges change, mm. one of the challenges that is ever-present for every company out there is how to build winning teams, how to lead and build winning teams. Mm. And it's a passion of mine. I love building winning teams. I'm going to continue mm. doing that because I think winning teams build winning companies. Yeah. I, I had a I have a, I'm, I'm lucky to have lots of really smart friends in great places and I love bouncing business ideas off them. I, w- I was out in an outdoors activity with a, a good buddy who's been a very successful private equity managing partner hmm. at one of the best private equity firms in the world. And I, this is a few years ago and I asked him, I said, Scott, what's the, what's the one thing that is the common denominator of why you've been so successful. And he didn't hesitate one second. And he said, building winning teams. Wow. It's all about leadership and winning teams. If I get the right leader who can build a winning team, that company is going to do really well. And Mm. and that's why I focus on this so much. It's why I write about it. It's why I'm passionate about it. And and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, in the future. But you know, it is it is the highest correlation Mm -hmm. to success in business is having a winning team. So All right. you know, they're, I'm going to cut you off there. That's enough. I'm, I'm excited. And I have like 50 more questions I want to ask that I'm not going to ask yet on that particular topic. Cause again, like, as I mentioned for everybody watching, we'll be bringing Keith back on the line, of course. And then I will be asking those questions, <laughs> but I, I do, you mentioned Pythia and I do want to spend uh, a, a couple moments here as well, talking about the, you know, the winning team that you're building right now and, and, and also your, your, your team in general. I mean, tell us a little bit more about the company. Well, Pythian is one of the premier data and analytics global companies in the world. We, we focus on major corporations, data estate, governance, strategy, security, the data architecture and model of those firms, then optimizing that data estate wherever it sits on premise or in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And then the digital transformation and value you can drive out of that, including generative AI, and all the analytics and advanced insights you can get from that data. So we work with major corporations around the world to not only stabilize their data and optimize it and manage it, but to create value. So whether it's a recommendation engine or chatbots that are accurate or maximizing the, the uptime for a fleet, all the mm-hmm. things that you can do around data to drive revenue, 
reduce costs and optimize your bottom line, most companies, as that data is exploding, are struggling with that, not only to manage that data, but to get value out of it. That's what we do better than almost anybody in the world. It's a, it's a great company with great leadership, wonderful team, global team. We have business you know, throughout North America, Europe, and Asia. Really fun. And I'm just really honored to work with such a great team. Yeah. And, and then I, I also understand that you do a, a bit still of a business advisory and board work. Am I off on that? I do. Yeah. Because of the, I think the scar, all the scars that I have from doing this so many times, <laughs> I, I have a pattern recognition. Man, Keith, let me tell you, people that listen to our show, they're like, hold on. I thought I was going to be all inspired, motivated, be an entrepreneur. No, we didn't say that. Or an executive. It, it, it costs. It costs to achieve and to grow companies. So t- <laughs> tell us about the scars. I just had to bring that up because I love that on our show, we give it real. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I try to help other companies avoid yeah. the stumbles that I'm sure I've taken over my career. So I'm I'm fortunate to work with venture and private equity firms on boards. And, uh, and just as an example, I'm on the board of a, a great company called ECI. Uh, it's a it's an out, IT outsourcing services firm. And there I work with the CEO and CRO and CMO and CFO to optimize the the company over time and work with a great board, in this case with HIG. And the company has has doubled in size Mm. to several hundred million dollars over the last three or four years, really increased in value, expanded its product uh, portfolio and services portfolio and and built a really good team. So, Mm. you know, it goes back to the, what we talked about earlier of building a great team makes for a great company of course, with the right principles and culture and, and as Castle ECI is doing that. Ah, that's awesome. So Keith, I mean, I, I know you're a busy guy, of course, your, your, your responsibilities and your awesome team at Pythian. I mean, you're helping other companies as well to benefit from your scars, as you said it, I just have to ask, I mean, what's next, what, what's next for you? What's next for your career? You know, I, I, I just get such joy, honestly, mm-hmm. about watching and building great teams that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stop doing that. A lot of energy to help build winning teams, creating, growing companies. And in the end, it creates you know value for the shareholder, for the customers, for the employees. So I'm going to continue to do that. It's my passion. So whether there's 12 more, you know, there, there's I'm sure there's bound to be more as technology evolves to stay at the kind of the leading edge of, of software and services companies. It's really a fun spot to be. I love working with, you know, aggressive professionals with the right values who, for whom mission matters as well. Yeah, fantastic. And well, first off, Keith, it has been great having you on the show today. I'm excited to continue through this book publishing process with you. I know we're, we're getting closer and closer to a release. And of course, we'll be bringing you back on the show because I can't wait to bring your writing to, to our audience and readers. Um, but that being said, if somebody's listening to this and they want to follow up and follow your journey or learn more about Pythian or any of your work, what's the best way for people to do that? Yeah, Adam, they, you know, they certainly can reach out to me through LinkedIn, Keith Angel, and my advisory firm, West Shore Advisors at gmail.com is, it will get me as well, but I'm easy to get through LinkedIn, of course. 
Fantastic. And we'll, we'll put those links in the show notes so that our audience can just click on the link and go and go check out your LinkedIn, of course. And speaking of the audience, if this is your first time with Mission Matters or engaging or listening to an episode, we're all about bringing on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and experts and having them share their mission, the reason behind their mission, you know, why they really do what they do, like what wakes them up in the morning, gets them fired up and out of bed to go, you know, make a difference in the world. If that's the type of content that sounds interesting or fun or exciting to you, we welcome you. Hit that subscribe button because we have many more mission-based individuals coming up on the line and we don't want you to miss a thing. And Keith, again, it has been a pleasure until the next time. Thanks again for coming on the show.